I don't know about you. Um, I'm just going to pray, actually. Lord God, thank you so much for one another. It says, you know, do not give up meeting together uh, because uh, we are called to stir one another up to love and good works. I thank you, Lord, for that one another thing. Just as we saw on that um, crazy, crazy video, we need one another if we're going to get anywhere. And we, we thank you, Lord, that we have you, but Lord, we need one another to encourage one another and keep going. Thank you, Father. Amen. We love being encouraged. I don't know about you. Don't you love encouragement? Obviously not. Well, anyhow, the aim is we, we're, we're about encouraging, aren't we? Even Pep Guardiola. Sorry to Man United fans, one down the front here. But um, Pep Guardiola said the most important thing that you can have in any team is encouraging people, encouraging one another to be all they can be, to perform to the best of their ability. And, you know, we need encouragement in lots of ways. I've got back into cricket this season. I'm wearing this shirt, really, because it's the Ashes. It's my England shirt, all right? So it's the Ashes starting up this week. Well, hopefully we're going to absolutely thrash the Australians. But, um, uh, you know, it's... um, I I, I got back into cricket, and I've needed encouragement, really, because, you know, when you've reached my age quite hard. I had some prayer for an issue I've got earlier, um, which when it gets my age, you get little aches and pains and things start falling off and everything. So, um, I, you know, I thought, should I get back into it again? I've had two or three years off or whatever, but I was encouraged to get back into it. And I've got into a wonderful thing called over 60s cricket, which is fantastic. Don't laugh. It's a really, really immensely Big thing for us in our 60s. But the brilliant thing about it is I've discovered over 60s cricket. So I'm, I actually play for the county over 60s. I've got a game against Suffolk on Tuesday. Um, but um, uh, the great thing is this encouragement is that I'm the youngest. It's fantastic. So it's the best. You know, in about eight years' time, I'll, I'll be feeling like most of the other guys in the team, right? But when you're 60, it's great. In an over 60s game, fantastic. I feel so encouraged. Um, but also, you know, I've, I've, I've recently just found there's just so much going on in my, in, this, in my space around my head. There's stuff happening church-wise in my own individual life. And sometimes, do you ever get those moments when you're just so overwhelmed? And it's just like you need someone just to sit you down and speak encouragement. Don't you? You need someone just to say you're all right. You're doing okay. There's a God who really loves you. There's someone for you. Just that little moment. And that's what we want to be, don't we, is, is a people who are just encouraged to press in to all the things that God has got for us. In, in Hebrews 3, it says that we should encourage everyone every day. That's a challenge, isn't it? What sort of person am I? When people bump into us, when they talk to us, do we ooze encouragement? Or do we find ways that we can just sort of make ourselves feel better or whatever? Encouragement is such a powerful thing. Now, that's the, the roots of what I'm going to talk about today. Because we're going to spend this week and next week talking about giving. It's an area where churches always get a little bit funny when we get into money. Even though we spend our life thinking about it, we spend, you know, it's, it's all out there. But for some reason in church, we get a little bit of the heebie-jeebies. I don't know why. Because actually, Paul talked about um, giving as such a crucial part of our own Christian walk. And so I'm going to share a little bit in relation uh, to that. So we're using this passage here, 1163, if you want to follow it. Uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul in writing this letter to the Corinthian church is sharing about it. Encouragement is the bottom line. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7, it says, Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you. 
or uh, in our love for you. He's saying you are excellent. You're excellent in faith. You're excellent in speech. He's probably referring particularly not just to God speaking, but actually as we see in the rest of the Corinthians that there are people who are pressing out in areas like speaking in tongues, areas of prophecy, pushing into those things. You're excellent in pursuing those things. You're, ex- you're excelling, it says, in knowledge. They were desiring to know the mysteries of God and understand more of his way. Excelling in earnestness. There was a deep hunger. You know, it's something that's really been lovely to see. There seems to be a hunger that God is growing. The worship earlier was a sense of hunger. We're saying we want more of God. And they were saying, you're excelling in these things. They're even, it says, excelling in their love for him. And frankly, the, the Corinthians and Paul had a bit of a strained relationship. But even in that, he's saying, this is great. You're excelling. Even to the point where we're actually quite like one another. There's a sense of that going on. I want to encourage us as we begin that we are excelling an excelling church. We're a God that is, uh, we, are, we are a church that's seeking to, 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 to press into stuff. You know, one of the great joys is hearing little stories, little snippets here and there. Even today, someone said when they came in, new to the church, they said they had a sense of welcome. They had a sense of welcome. And then, you know, others who said, you know, it's the first time in a church that I've been in where I've actually felt a sense of welcome, a sense of uh, an authenticity, all those sorts of things. And it's, it's growing. We're not, we're not there. We're not the finished article. No church is. But I want to encourage you to say we're pressing into those things. You know, I want to encourage you for those that are, are walking alongside the, those who are walking in bereavement and sadness. Those who are walking with those who are struggling with mental health. Those who are struggling in the areas of, of debt. Those who are providing meals for others to help them out. Those who are praying into people's situations. Be encouraged, Christchurch. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. We're, we're, we're seeking to excel in those things. The list can go on. You know, one of the wonderful things the other day was coming back from um, worshiping the world. discovering like 20 young people burning things in our, in our garden. We have a fire pit and they were just burning one another and burning things and all this stuff. 20 of them. Two years ago, we had hardly any older youth. God is doing some amazing things. Be encouraged. And as we excel in love, it's earnestness for God to, to seek to stand for him in the midst of a culture which is just adjusting. You know, adjust, so often we can, we can just adjust to the culture rather than adjusting uh, you know, around God's word. We are seeking to do those things. I want to encourage you in how you are excelling, like the Apostle Paul here. But then he goes on to say, in, one, in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, at the end, after he'd said all those great things, he says, um, he says uh, I want you to know, for you by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he goes on to say, I want you to know what it is that you should excel in this grace of giving. And what he's referring here is about financial giving. He's straight up front with them, as Paul so often was. There were a bunch of people that were struggling in Jerusalem, but even more so, interestingly enough, there were a bunch of people in Macedonia, another part of that area, who were actually experiencing famine and poverty. But he's speaking and saying they excelled themselves how they gave. Even though they were in a pretty rough place, they excelled themselves in their giving. And so he's calling the Corinthians to say, as they have done that, you have the opportunity to press in to giving generously. Excel in the grace of generous giving. So that's what I want to speak into briefly this morning. You might say, well, why? Why, why all this talk about money? You know, the church, isn't it, always cracking on about money the whole time? That's what they always seem to be doing. 
And um, I want to say we, we don't talk that much about money, but actually, let's face it, it's a crucial part of life. And what we actually feel about money and what we do about money actually expresses a lot about who we are and uh, what we can be. You know, I love the film, uh, you know, the, uh, I love the film Gladiator. There's apparently Gladiator 2 coming out next year. And uh, there were some issues to do with it. I read about this week scenes where there was, you know, various things were going wrong. But do you remember the beginning of Gladiator? When they're all, they're all um, Russell Crowe, Gluteus Maximus, or whatever he's called. Um, <laughs> I've forgotten what his name is. Anyhow, Paul at the back knows the actual line. So I won't get into it. What was it? Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, he knows it off by heart. He loves it big time. Um, I'll go with the gluteus maximus. But anyhow, the, the, the point is, is he's with his arm, army, and there's this amazing moment right at the beginning, which I love, where, where he's saying to them as they're going to attack the, the sort of, you know, nasty Gauls or whatever in the, in the Gallic Wars, and he's going like, hold the line, hold the line, hold the line. They're going to hold the line. And they, they, they hold the line, and they, they beat off these, um, these uh, attackers. And then he has this speech that he puts around in broadly what he says. He says, basically, what you do now echoes in eternity. And you see, the things that we do now, this is an amazing thing about followers of Jesus. The things we do and the say and we give echoes into eternity. Even this building, to be fair, and where we sit, this is echoes of eternity. These people who invested into this building back in 1845 and who prayed over the years. You think of the saints that have been in this place who prayed as this place was put here as a mission place deliberately by old John Trotter, Captain John Trotter, who built this to reach the people of Barnet. And we're continuing that legacy. And so we can be um, part of that. But I want to share three things really from this passage that um, I think can help us to think why should we be generous givers. Firstly, it proves... Your love. It proves your love. He begins by encouraging them to excel in their giving because of, if you like, it's not a command, but it's a test. If we see here 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 8, I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. What he's doing is test your heart in this. Where is your heart? Where's the genuineness of heart? I mean, Jesus had already said this back in Matthew 6. He said, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Andy, where your, I've got about 10 cricket bats at home. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It might be that you've got golf putters if you're a golfer. I know somebody's got about 25 putters in search of the great putter. Where your Treasuries, there are your heart also. There's nothing wrong with these things. It might be whatever. But the, it's a challenge, isn't it? Because where you put your money is, there is where your heart truly is. And what he's calling us to, I think, here is, if you like, like a spiritual heart stress test. I don't know if anybody's had, ever had one of those stress tests. On the old treadmill? Yep, on the old treadmill. And they force you onto the treadmill and you get various bits attached on you, and they check whether the blood flow is going right. They're checking, they're doing a stress test to to get the heart going, get it moving, and for you to see how your heart is functioning. Paul is saying something like that. He's saying, excel in the grace of generous giving. It's like a spiritual stress test. The Corinthians' financial generosity towards the saints in Jerusalem 
would reveal their love for Christ. He's quite direct, really, about that. It's, it's almost like, do you really love Christ? Do you re- what does it really mean to know him? And that's going to lead, he said, to you also giving of yourselves, but also giving in terms of your finances. Now, you know, the last thing we want to be about is manipulating. Uh, we try to be open and upfront all the time. I'm not going to be twisting your arms, but trying to share what the Bible is saying, which I think challenges us, because my journey has been for myself that I've seen that as I've given, God has given so much more back. You know, actually, it's been possible for me to outgive him with the amount he's given back to me. Not necessarily financially, but in a whole load of different ways. The richness of it is totally and utterly worth it. As someone said, you cannot outgive God, as he is the creator, the owner of all. And I love the fact that, you know, here we are, and Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the senior pastor of Christ Church. Isn't that great to know that it's not Andy Rimmer who's the chief pastor? Yeah, you're really excited about that, I know. But the fact is, fundamentally, he is the chief pastor. And he's going to come back, it says, and he's going to receive his bride. Now, as a bloke, I always struggle slightly with the bridal stuff, really. But yesterday was, was, was amazing, because I, I did a wedding. I did a wedding for Ben Grist. Do you remember Ben Grist? Ben Grist got married to the lovely Hannah at St. Aldate's Church in Oxford and took the service, and then we danced the night away. A few people are still recovering from it who are here. Uh, whatever. It was a great day. It was an amazing moment when the bride comes in with all the train and all the stuff and whatever. But that bridal image, is that's the picture of Jesus and his church. It's like he, you know, he, he just loves his church. He loves his bride. And he's calling us to be part of what he wants to do. And, you know, on your, on your uh, scattered all over the place are various bits and bobs. You can take hold of them if you want and read them for the rest of the sermon. But um, they've got some summaries, really, of where we're at in terms of our finances as a church. Um, and there's some little bits and bobs in there. There's a pledge form, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, and other ways. But just really highlighting where we're at as a church for this year, what our plans are, what we're hoping for. And the reality is, you know, there are just, you know, just in any family, we stand back from time to time, don't we, and look at our budget. And we look at the, the situation. We lay it out and we say, this is going to cost this, it's going to cost this. Uh, we might find budgeting easier, we might find it not. But we do that as a church, we look ahead. And so there's a few things really up on the, hopefully are coming up now. Next, yeah. Um, a little bit of a pie chart really there, it shows some of how we spend our money as a church. As you can see, a significant amount, hardly any goes on buildings here. Um, around about, I think it's around about 8% goes on, uh, on, on buildings. So we're not spending it on stuff. We're mainly spending it on people. And so you, you, we need to be encouraged by that, particularly with an old building. That's absolutely fantastic. So it means that as we give, we give into the life of what God has got. And a significant amount as well goes out on mission. And um, you know, the bottom line is we, are, we always tend to go for what I would call a faith deficit every year. Uh, which is an opportunity to, to really press ourselves into trusting God for what he has for the future. We're not going to be, um, you know, we're not going to be uh, rubbish with how we fa- handle the finances. We, God has so graciously funded things. But, you know, it's useful sometimes to know this is the situation. This is what is going on. And you have the opportunity to give in to some amazing things, to not just keep this place going, but an amazing staff team and other staff that we'd love to um, seek to appoint in the future. Uh, the areas of outreach into the community, 
And we mentioned about the Open Door Centre. Other areas that we want to seek to press out into more. And therefore, encouraging us to say, how can we excel in our generosity to enable the things that can happen in the future? Friends, um, as we excel in the grace of generous giving, it's not, as he says here, because I command it. Listen up. Paul says, this isn't a command. This is a call to your heart. This is a call to your heart. Because excelling in the grace of generous giving is a stress test, he says, that shows something of your love. Not in a guilt, it's not about a guilt thing, but it's asking God, where am I at in relation to that? Are my current plans of what I give in line with the level of, of where I'm at with you and how I want to respond to those things? So firstly, really, it's a spiritual um, stress test, if you like, that we're talking about here. Secondly, um, get my lines here. Secondly, why do we do it? Firstly, he says it's a bit of a spiritual stress test. Secondly, he became poor for you. He became poor uh, for you. After hearing um, that excelling in grace is that way, this is what we might be tempted to do because we get a bit introspective. He says, look, we do it because of what he has done for us what he has done uh, for us. We look at verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. What he's saying is, the God we worship is the God who gives. On his very heart, he is a giving God. That is the very heart of who he is. I love the fact that you know, the key word, you look at some key words in the Bible, it's remarkable. You see the word believe, for example, uh, is mentioned 272 times. I was counting them up all week, obviously. Pray, 371 times. Love, 714 times. Give, 2,162 times. And that's not just about giving money, it's about giving of himself. But it shows the heart of God. And actually, if we're honest, for those of us that have come to know Jesus, we're only here because God gave himself. For God so loved the world that he gave everything of himself. He gave <coughs> his son Jesus. That though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that we by his poverty might become rich. And we should be the people who say we are the richest of all. We may not have everything. And I know for many of us, when I talk about this, you are facing massive struggles. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, unaware of many of you facing these issues, and you're going, Andy, I'm finding this so painful. I'm finding this so hard. This is why I'm so passionate about things like Christians Against Poverty, because it releases people from the pain and the stress of debt. And that's why we as a church will want to walk alongside people in relation to this. But it is a reminder as well that we come to a Jesus who has made us rich, that even in that, he makes us rich and he loves us. Gregory of Nazianzus. Um, a completely amazing dude, said this, Christ was made poor that we through his poverty might be rich. He took the form of a servant that we might regain liberty. He descended that we might be exalted. He was tempted that we might overcome. He was despised that he might fill us with glory. He died that we might be saved. He ascended to draw to himself those lying prostrate on the ground through sin's stumbling block. That's what he did for us and that's what we Praise God for. In Christ, 
we are unspeakably rich. As he left, the wealth of heaven emptied himself, died on a cross, became poor like us. He has made us so rich. As someone said, he became what we are, that we might become what he is. I repeat that. He became what we are, that we might become what he is. So one of the reasons is behind how we should give is because of the rich generosity and incredible love. That provides a motivation to give. Not because someone else tells you, but because of what Jesus has done for, him, for us. Therefore, what can we do as he gave himself fully and generously to us? Is for us to say, Lord, how can I generously give back to you in all of who I am and what I can be? What a motivation. But the challenge that Paul also leaves, he doesn't just leave them there in that. Because this can all sound very great and very lovely and very holy and very righteous. Because actually, he says this. He says, desire isn't enough. Desire isn't enough. We say here, verse 10. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. So he's saying, you are amazing. You've got the opportunity to excel in giving. Jesus has done this for you. So, with these Macedonian Christians who said all this stuff, what are you going to do about it then? How are you going to respond to the challenge that they bring to you? He says, my judgment is this. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do, um, to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Isn't that amazing? He's saying you can give, know your means, understand who you're at and where you're at. But how are you going to finish it? How are you going to respond? Desire isn't enough. Now, a couple of years ago or so, you know, um, for me, I'd had this aim. I'd done a 10-mile run, but I felt I, I wanted to do a half marathon. And so I entered a half marathon. Uh, some of you may remember me talking too much about it. But anyhow, um, and uh, it's crazy because two of my sons are currently aiming, working towards a, uh, an Ironman, which is the most stupid thing that anybody can ever do to their body. 3.5K swim in open water, 180k cycle ride, and a marathon. I've never even done a marathon, let alone this. So half, half a marathon for me, though, was where it's at. And the one thing um, that I can say above all things, number one is that I did it. But in the process of preparing for it, I learned the hard truth that when it comes to completing a run, desire isn't enough. You could desire to it, but actually, bottom line is you've got to train and you've got to prepare and then, ultimately, you've got to complete it. You've got to fulfill it, what you said you would do. And similarly, when it comes to the grace of generous giving, Paul is encouraging, challenging them to say, so what is your response to be? Come before God and ask, what is your response to be? Now, just briefly, um, the, the Bible talks a lot about giving. As I said, Jesus mentioned it because I think it is one of those places that, if you like, can sometimes be a, a bit of a stumbling block for us and a challenge for us. In the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, they were challenged to do a thing called tithing, which is what tithing means is, uh, if you like, the first 10% of what you receive in income that you give back to the God who's made you and knows you. So it would be with their crops, maybe, or it would be with, with who they were. They would say, right, first back to you. You own 100%. I give back 10% to you. That's the tithe, if you like. And um, next week, um, Anne Coles is going to talk a little bit more about one of the passages in Malachi. But in Leviticus, every tithe of the land 
Whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord. So first place to give. For me personally, uh, that's, if you like, a commitment I make to my local church. Um, Not just because it pays my way, but actually because I really believe that's the storehouse. It's the place where I learn, I receive. It's like, you know... Um, someone did say to me actually uh, last year. They said um, uh, they, 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 you know, the, the, the terminology they used was different. They said, um, what, what's, "What's the subscription I've got to pay to be part of the church?" Now, can be unhelpful if we look at it as subscription pastor, but there's an element of truth in there. It's saying to be part of it, you would pay to be part of it in true of anything. And so this is a, 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 a possibility here. It's talking about a tenth. What is fascinating though about this whole thing is that in the new covenant. Uh, if you like, the New Testament, the call is actually that we're no longer under the law of Moses. That actually we're not defined by those laws of tithing in the same way of our first fruits. If you like, it's not mandatory. Uh, we're actually receivers of a greater covenant than even the children of the Old Testament. And therefore, we should actually be challenged to be even more generous. Uh, you know, it's always weird when people say, well, you know, I don't like the Old Testament because I like Jesus because he was a lot nicer. You know, it seemed a lot nicer. I tell you, when you actually read Jesus' stuff, he cranks things up to another level, you know, doesn't he, in, in all areas. And sometimes in this area, he stretches us beyond what was, if you like, going to pay my 10%. He's actually, and more, and more, because he gave all of himself to us. I might say as well, though, that actually that 10% is a helpful little tool. I really do think for that. And some of you look at it and go, oh, that is so much. It's like, like, like number of holidays or whatever. But actually, you know, it might be that for you, you, should, you, you, you find it helpful. I think it was shared last year by someone here that they started at a, they said, this is too much, but I'm going to start at a lower percentage. I'm going to trust God for the next year. I'm going to increase from a lower percentage and they've got there, and they are continuing to give. And I, I think they're still alive from what I've seen. You know, the point is that as we give, God will never let us down. I really believe that. He will provide. And I think there's many here that would share testimony into that. Uh, in many ways, I'd say, you know, when we might say we can't afford, maybe we need to talk it through and chat it through. And we've got people that can help with that sort of thing. But I do believe generosity brings amazing joy, but desire isn't enough. Uh, We actually have to say, Lord, what am I going to do about this? So I'm just going to get practical at the end. And what I want to do in a moment is, um, with these bits of paper that are flying around, there is a little one inside there with a sort of pledge-type form on it. Um, And again, you might want to take this away and think about it, but I know what it's like when we take stuff away from church. It, it, It gets lost. So sometimes it might be helpful just in a couple of minutes to, to weigh up and say, Lord, what does this mean for me? Um, and well, the aeroplane's in trouble. Um, but, uh, you know, w- what it means for me, and I'm going to give a couple of minutes, and then um, during our communion, because we're going to have communion in a moment, it might be that it's appropriate for you. We've got a basket here uh, to take one of these. There's some pens around the place here to fill it in. And what it's got in here is really particularly focusing on regular giving because that's uh, really helpful for us in terms of our planning. So it might be you say, well, I already give a certain amount. And you even write those things down. Sometimes it's quite helpful to write it down and say, this is my commitment. It might be you want to say, well, I want to start giving regularly 
Or it might be that you want to look at um, increasing the amount you give. Don't forget, if you're a taxpayer, gift aid is fantastic. You get 25% back from the government. And we need to enjoy it while we still have it, all right? Um, so let's, uh, let's uh, experience that as well. So that's the form we're going to use. I just think there are other ways that you can give. You can give on a weekly basis. Um, uh, if there are legacies, windfalls, cash, contactless, a whole load of ways that you can consider that God might be wanting to use you to bless. Um, and really just simply, it takes prayer and faith. You must pray about it. Maybe chat to others. Talk to uh, our treasurer and our um, planned giving uh, team and others. Just to see, hear their stories um, and, and what God has done in and through them. Actually, Julian, you've got a thing that you shared earlier, just very briefly. Do you want to say? Um, about a time when you were facing redundancy, weren't you? Yeah, 2008 I was made redundant. Um, and, uh, well, to say we hemorrhaged money was a bit of a understatement, I would say. But, um, uh, and I started a business right in, the, right in the start of a recession. Not the greatest time. So it's not about a journey of giving. It's about a journey of trust. And throughout all of it, yeah. uh, within my company... Um, Everything I went after, I didn't get. Everything, all the jobs I got landed in my lap because God had provided a way. And I was never in need. I, I only had three months buffer in the company account ever. That was the amount. It, it would go below that, but I never had over that. God always met the need. And when I needed it, he met it again and again and again, Wonderful. and I appreciate with all of you, it's a journey, but it's a journey of trust. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Julian. Um, so, as I say, in a moment, we're just going to have a bit of time for us to be quiet, and it might be you want to use these um, notes to help you. And as I say, welcome to take it away, and we'll give an opportunity next week. But um, the other thing as well is God will always honour your generosity, but please be cheerful about it. Paul in the next chapter says, in fact, there's a Greek word, hilarion, which means as the root hilarious. So however you give, you know, if as you fill in your form, I want to hear some laughter, okay? <laughs> Whatever. But you know what? Let's, let's be really trusting in God in that whole side of things as well. So a couple of minutes, uh, I'm going to sort out communion. We're going to have a very laid back communion today, as ever. Um, and, uh, uh, but I just want to give some space and, uh, and then we can respond. And if you want to come and use the basket to use the envelope, nobody's going to see what you've given or anything like that uh, to help you then. There's some pens as well if you need some pens. So let's just be quiet. Lord Jesus, help us now to hear your voice, Lord. You're so generous. You're so wonderful. Speak to us in your name. Amen.